host and spiritual guide, Sean Barber. I am joined, as always, by our resident expert in death, Ms. Nicole Jewett. Hello, everybody. The lady in pink today. And, and the, man the man who man knows nothing, who is... <laughs> I, you know, I'm actually a mix of you two today. You're wearing, like... You're the pink lady. Ethan's wearing all black in his natural state. I'm mm -hmm. wearing half pink, half black. Yeah. That's kind of fun. Yeah. The man who knows nothing, Mr. Ethan Black. <laughs> Insert one-liner. <laughs> <laughs> so this week we're having a little throwback to my high school days, and we're talking about the dark web. Something that all lonely high school boys have taken a trip into. You have to Incorrect. I've never risked it. I've always thought about it. Never no, I've risked. never going gone on, on the dark web. Oh. Just learning about it. But you can't tell me you haven't had nights where you sat up until like three in the morning watching YouTube Reddit compilations of like dark web stories and stuff. Absolutely not. What? No, I mainly just get all my dark web things from like Criminal Minds or something. It's like, That's oh, damn. true. Yeah. Plus, I feel like I know a decent amount about the dark web because it's essentially a place where like shit's terrible, yeah. but it's online. And yeah. like the government can't find it. Even though the government can find you, when you're just buying a bagel from a deli market and a bakery, but they can't a, find the dark a what, web. A what? A bagel, apparently. What, what do you buy? Google. I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> what the hell do you want from me? In the bagel. Electric boogaloo. <laughs> so there's so that a was a really of... good introduction to what we're going to talk about. <laughs> there's a lot of good and a lot of bad information about the dark web. Like there's a lot of just conspiracies and rumors. So here's a quick little intro bit. The vast majority of information on the internet is not cataloged, meaning that you can't just Google it and it'll show up. Like, you can't just search for it in a search engine. Now, a lot of this stuff is very boring. It's just like databases, government websites, private company websites, stuff that you can't just search for mm -hmm. but still exists. Now, that stuff isn't really the dark web. That's more just the deep web. The like, dim web. You can't <laughs> access it, but it's, it's not It's not damning. nefarious. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> The dark web is similar, but everything on there is illegal. And so there's not like a, oh, like a button you press and now you're on the dark web all of a sudden. It's more just if you're on these sites that kind of require like a Tor browser or something and you're doing illegal things, that's kind of the dark web. You so can't just incognito mode yourself into the dark web. Exactly. exactly. It's, it's not that's just not like, how it works. there's not a big like flashing red button says, enter the dark web here. Like it, you just kind of happen you upon get there. it. Like if you are doing illegal anonymous things, you're on the dark web. That's just yeah. kind of what it is. It's not like there's no one big website that's like all dark, dark web, web market things happen here. <laughs> well there probably is one, but it doesn't actually mean it. <laughs> that's true. It's there probably is a marketing. thing that exists. So it's it's really like what you do determines whether you're on the dark web or not. Is kind is kind of the thing. It's okay. it's up to you, the choices that you make, which determines what is happening where okay. you are really and it was really funny when i was like looking things up to find stories for this episode because i like googled like true dark web stories every single headline was like dark web horror stories so terrifying you'll shit yourself <laughs> I'm like yeah. why it's like, like this is what i was looking for if i didn't wanted... have that tagline that described what i would do it <laughs> exactly. wouldn't be right yeah we just wanted some some true Crazy stories to share with you guys. And Not necessarily the weirdest things that have ever happened. And part of the issue, too, is that because all of these things are anonymous and supposed to be untraceable, it's hard to have information about it because it's anonymous <laughs> Ergo, and untraceable. untraceable. Yeah. But we have three stories that we're going to be talking about that kind of have defined the history of the dark web and how it's perceived today. Are there anything about 
uh, black or red rooms? No, I oh. specifically, specifically said I don't want to talk about that kind of stuff. <laughs> so no, we're we're not talking about red rooms or anything like that. That's unfortunate. Um, like it's just about. a little too fucked up for this yeah. podcast. And if that's all the information you need to know, if it's too fucked up for us to talk about. It's not. If you want something really fucked up, go Google Peter Scully and have your year ruined. Who's he? There you go. Uh, ran like a huge like red room site basically where like he oh, would do things, do, to, yes, do horrible do, things, do things. If do things you want that... to hear about it, go Google it. Otherwise, enjoy your peace of mind. Yeah. <laughs> the three stories we're going to be talking about are Freedom Hosting, Hack BB, and The Silk Road. After listening, follow us on Instagram at Rule3333 and on Facebook at Rule of Three Podcast. And we've got three dark web stories, three dumbass hoes, and no fucking clue what we're doing this. Is Rule of Three. <laughs> I was like, what are you looking at over there? <laughs> yeah, I thought something was happening. It's dramatic pause. Our first story of the day is about 33-year-old Eric Owen Marquez, a dual national citizen of both the United States and Ireland, and his federal criminal charges alleging conspiracy to advertise child pornography on the dark web, filed back in 2013. He was arrested in his hometown of Dublin, Ireland, and extradited to the U.S. in 2019, a process that took six years to complete, where he faced possible life in prison for his role in the largest facilitation of child porn on the planet through the dark web hosting service Freedom Hosting, of which Eric was the primary administrator. I also enjoy how he said, yeah, I don't really want to talk about child porn or anything. And then the first thing we talk about is this guy and his involvement with child porn. Yeah. Well, I mean, what else are you going to look at on the dark web? Drugs and child porn. We're not that's going what you into got. detail. We're talking about this guy that was brought to justice. Yeah. So it's fair warning. No like dirty Throughout details. the whole episode, we're not going to go into detail about any of the fucked up stuff. Because, it's, again, it's hard to get that information. It's yeah. secret for a reason. So if you're worried about hearing that stuff, we're not going to be talking about any of that. It's more going to be like the actual historical implications of these stories and like the trials and stuff that they went through. Or so. if you yeah. want to hear more about this stuff, one, seek help. <laughs> or two, just Google it Get and see help. what comes up. Stop <laughs> it. Get some help. I love that gift so much. Stop. So good. Back to child porn. Sorry. <laughs> good. Thank God we can get back on track. We're actually going to take a little bit of a, a detour at first because oh. the dark web is a term that we often hear thrown around every now and again, and most people are aware that it exists and that it maintains users' anonymity as they partake in illegal activities. But it's not exactly common knowledge how this whole operation functions. So Sean gave us a little bit of an introduction. We're going to go a little bit more in depth mm. here about how these things actually run. For starters, these sites are not just something you can Google and find exactly what you're looking for like we just talked about. Similar to the internet we all know and love that brought us recipe blogs and cat pictures. Mm -hmm. There are too many recipe blogs, in my opinion. I feel like we should axe a lot of them. Yeah, but those that's... ones should be on the dark web because nobody really wants to see them. That, would be, that would be a... Oh, there's like cannibal like recipe yeah. blogs and stuff. That's like that. yeah. horrific. That yeah. makes sense. Oh, I mean, where else are you going to share your ideas? You can't mail it through Pigeon anymore. I wonder if <laughs> even those recipe blogs talk about, like, I grew up in a small town and my mother worked so hard her whole life from two in the morning until three in the morning Ran the next day. weary at the local shirt factory. But <laughs> what she loved to do was cook. And bake bread. <laughs> and to carry on her memory, I kill teenage boys and fry their buttocks just for you. Uh -huh. Here are my recipes. And then one of the comment sections underneath it, like Jimmy Tolicker, like 99, is like, yeah, 
facts, bro. My mom beat the shit out of me, and now I eat hands for a living. I actually tried this recipe, and it's just not seasoned enough for me. You really need to add a little bit more sugar when you're trying to caramelize the toes. It's just, <laughs> eh, it doesn't do I it for me. I love those ones that, like, the comments, it's like a sugar cookie recipe, and someone commented, there's way too much sugar in this. And someone was like, Janet, what the fuck did you think was in the sugar cookies? <laughs> Anywho, moving on. To access the dark web, you need to use a Tor browser, which stands for the Onion Router. Did you know that that's what Tor stands for? It's an acronym. I didn't know that, but I have heard some shit about dot onions being like yeah. a yeah, thing for black yeah, web. Yeah, that's what dark it is. Web? Like all yeah. the sites are like dot onion because that's. I can't help but think that this had to have had something to do with Shrek. I, the whole onion metaphor, I just can't get past it. <laughs> Yeah. Stop. But anyway, it's called the Onion Router or Tor because its many encrypted layers, hence the Shrek reference, like an onion. make no. it incredibly difficult for law enforcement to track down users and figure out their identities the way you can on the regular internet. And as, as a preface, it makes it harder. It doesn't make it impossible. Keep that in mind. And that's what we're kind of going to talk about yeah. a lot about it what makes happens it more when difficult, it is possible. but it is not impossible to find you. But it's just difficult enough to not always put the effort in. Yeah, yeah and, true. And like Nicole and I were kind of discussing this that when you're going onto the dark web, it's harder for the average person to find you, but the people on the dark web already have aren't an elevated your average knowledge. person. Those yeah. people already are going to know more about like computer science and networking than your average person. And so you're going into this safe place, but you're surrounding yourself by people who are much Cyber more criminals. likely <laughs> to know how to find you anyway. Yeah. So are you really helping yourself that much? Yeah. Just talk about like killing people for fun. I'm sure you'll fit right in. Yeah. You got to camouflage yourself. I think yourself. they are just kind of like telling themselves that because they think that law enforcement is dumber than they are. Yeah. And like, do you people realize that like among you, the people that you think are like these elevated cyber criminals, the government pays those people big bucks to, to find, find you. you. Yeah. Hello? Well, you never know who's a sicko. That's the worst part about That's it. That's true. In the simplest of terms, Tor works by bouncing around users' IP addresses all over the world, so any one person cannot be traced back to a single location. Again, this makes you hard to find, but the people who know how to track you still know how to track you. Like, they can still do that. That's not all, though. In order to access these sites where people are selling drugs, weapons, and countless other things that are almost too disturbing to even be real, you need to know the exact URL you're looking for. You can't just type body parts for sale into some dark web search engine and find dozens of websites advertising deals on kidneys. You need to know what you're looking for You can first. probably do that on Amazon, though. They got everything. That's, That's true. true. They probably got everything on sale. Jeff Bezos. I got an will email earlier that said Jeff Bezos alert, and I I didn't read it. I still don't know what that means. Like, what do you mean? Like, am I being alerted about Jeff Bezos? Is Jeff Bezos alerting me? I think it was like a petition website that was to like what? telling me he did something fucked up, and they had a petition against him. I don't really know. Oh no, shocking! Jeff Someone Bezos alert. <laughs> anyway. <sighs> This is where dark web encyclopedias such as Hidden Wiki come into play, as they serve as a compiled list of URLs that can get you anywhere you're going. But even Hidden Wiki can't exist on its own in a vacuum. For any website to exist, there must be some sort of hosting service that provides the metaphorical space for it to operate. Which finally brings us back around to my point about Eric Marquez and Freedom Hosting, which served as a Tor website hosting service that allowed all of these other sites, some more nefarious than others, to operate. 
At its height in 2013, it was the largest Tor web host in existence, hosting approximately half of all dark websites that ranged from the hacking and fraud forum HackBB, which we'll talk about later in more detail, to Lolita City, which was attacked by Anonymous in 2011 as part of their anti-child pornography effort called Operation Darknet. I love how that's an anti-child porn thing. We're going to fuck the shit out of the city. Go anti-child porn. <laughs> like, I, I feel like that's not helpful as much as you think it is. I, I feel like there's a better way to do it. Listen, Anonymous, their heart is in the right place. And you gotta love their branding, too. Oh, oh you gotta. God. I love when Ooh. I drive by Yale and I see them out there with their masks on holding mm. the TVs that aren't plugged into anything. Like, what are you doing? Well, exactly. they're TV bombs, obviously. When you plug oh, it in, course. boom. Of course. <laughs> so this just gives you a little idea of, like, the stuff that was going on on Freedom Hosting. Mm. Like, it really was and and none of it would have existed if it wasn't a ho- being hosted by freedom hosting because again exactly. every website needs somewhere to host it you can't just make and that's the same the same is true about regular websites oh, yeah. like just anything on the internet needs a server every like that's stuff like uh squarespace and stuff like that those are hosting services and so they run the servers for you so that you don't have to like have a server in your bedroom like running these you can't of just things. make a website yeah, exactly. You need to have some way, some, some place to operate. There it. needs to be a link between people who want the information and the information. You need to connect them somehow, and that's what the server does. And so, without Freedom Hosting running all of these servers, none of these sites could exist. Exactly. So this hosting of large amounts of child pornography certainly caught the government's attention. And in August of 2013, users on Freedom Hosting's multiple websites Mm -hmm. that they hosted noticed unknown JavaScript hidden in the websites hosted by Freedom Hosting that caused some panic in the community. It was basically like extra code written into the websites that nobody knew why it was there. And obviously the people that know how this is supposed to work noticed an issue, but they didn't know what it was until it was a little bit too late. Was it a mole? So just as words started to get out about the code and people were starting to panic and hype was going around on like in like chat forums about what the fuck's going on, what is this, all of the sites on Freedom Hosting suddenly crashed suicide out of the virus. Blue. Good old suicide came virus. Came to a screaming halt. This code had taken advantage of a Firefox vulnerability that happened to be Freedom Hosting's Achilles heel, so to speak. Water. And if users did not catch the weakness and update their software fast enough, it enabled the FBI to target them and figure out their identities. I guess water would be a pretty good Achilles heel, too. Just fucking dump it on the computers, and what are you going to do about that? Yeah, I was like, oh, Firefox, water. And I'm like, wait, technology and water. It's the same kind of thing. I was like, I guess it works. It's like, I'll pretend I'll do that. (laughs) Waterfox. We know that this is how the FBI exploited Freedom Hosting's weakness to gain access to the information that Tor had previously made it really fucking hard to find, but the technical details of the operation are still shrouded in a lot of secrecy. This is because the important part of this story is not figuring out how law enforcement caught the criminals. Rather, it's the fact that we still don't know exactly how they did it. So wait, hold on. Back up real quick. I'm just a little confused. So the JavaScript extra edition was government the FBI. Yes. government put that in and then it crashed freaks. the serp the... yes okay yeah. okay okay now that makes sense that yeah, makes sense. yeah okay. so, so it, it was right. it was the fbi that closed down all of these websites yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so and the thing is it's like like i just said we looked up what there's like eighteen thousand 
unique, like dark, unique, unique websites. dark websites. Yeah. A lot, there are almost like 75,000 sites, but most of them are copies of yeah. each other. So, like, does each one of those have its own hosting? Or is there each like, well, one, of, the thing, each one like, of those has to have each one a server? Needs a host. So, like Freedom only... Hosting at its peak in 2013, when this shit hit the fan, was hosting half of all of the dark websites in existence. Okay, so, so like, when they crashed okay. Freedom Hosting, they crashed half of the dark web. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, they took down all of those websites all in one. So, yeah, so Freedom Hosting is one company, but it runs servers for all of these websites. Yeah. And so it's responsible for keeping all of them online. And now, Freedom Hosting is run by this one guy, Eric yeah. Marquez, who, who this obviously knew about. what his company was doing. Oh, absolutely. Like, you, you can't turn a blind eye to that. If you're allowing all of this stuff to happen you are responsible for yeah. it you what can't... if he was just the friend of like the past ceo and like he didn't <laughs> know what was happening his dying <laughs> wish was for eric to like take over the company and he's like i'll do it for you pal and the next day the fucking fbi is knocking his door down and he just like handled like the boring work like just the nonsense shit he didn't know anything about he was computers. the accountant yeah like, he, <laughs> or something. he didn't know anything about computers he just and did, all like sudden... graphic design or yeah. something in his spare <laughs> graphic time design is my passion he's like hey boss look at this triangle we can use that for our poster now that's cool. Uh, just turn around in your chair, Jimmy. It's like, and childporn.com. It's like, don't worry about it. You're good. You're set. I think it would be childporn.onion. Yeah. That's true. Well, As .com, we I don't actually have How, to okay. search it in. How would you be able to get off to child porn if you have to type in something, something, dot, dot onion? onion. Well, like, think, come on, onion. You people are messed up. I think the question is, how could, like, I... How like, can you get off to child porn? Yes, yeah. I feel like that's the better question. I feel like if you already can get off to child porn, typing onions in... aren't going to deter you. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> really not going to stop I you. I didn't think this one through all too well. <laughs> like I, I was like, I was thinking about it, and I was like, yeah, I mean, I guess no, no, there's there's a missing portion here. That Something is wrong bad. here. Yeah. So the fact that we don't know exactly how the FBI caused this humongous upset is raising a lot of concerns with the legal community regarding ethics and privacy rights. So there's a lot of questions floating around because of this bust about whether or not criminals have the right to the details surrounding their capture, and there is certainly a good argument from both sides. On one hand, in a criminal trial, the defense has a right to know the same details about the investigation as the prosecution does to ensure a fair trial. That's which how is you a, defend yourself. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And this is a constitutional right that all U.S. citizens share is a right to a fair and speedy trial. And part of that is making sure that both sides are equally equipped with the knowledge about what happened. Yeah. You have to share whatever information that you are that's going to law. bring up in trial. You have yeah. to share it. There's both like sides, disclosure laws and yeah, things like that. Yeah, that's uh, the discovery period is when you have to share what each side knows so that both sides know what's going to happen during the trial exactly mm -hmm. and if the defendant's attorneys cannot prepare a proper defense there's no longer a level playing field between them and the prosecution which does not seem like a very fair trial at all on the other hand whatever it is that the fbi did to bring down freedom hosting and identify eric marquez in the first place may very well be used again in the future to target other dangerous and illegal dark websites and hosting services if all of that information is brought to light it will only serve to make criminals smarter and give them the time to adapt their methods of evading law enforcement to be even better and harder to trace so this is a real big ethical dilemma yeah. Because on the one hand, you need to follow the law to practice the law. Like you're you're trying yeah. to deliver justice, but you need to do it according to the constitution. The, the laws that you support. Yeah. That exactly. you were there to defend. But then on the other hand, like what are you gonna do? Tell all these people that are running all of these hosting services and like 
thousands of these horrible websites yeah. that are exploiting children and selling like illegal weapons and bombs and all this horrible stuff is happening here. Are you just going to tell them exactly what they have to do to get away from you? Yeah, exactly. How are you going to do that? And I feel like that's probably why they waited so long in the first place to make sure that they could shut down all of these websites in one go. Because, because they didn't want anyone exactly, to catch like, on. People already found out about the code before anything even and happened. And that literally happened the day before. Like yeah. People noticed the code the next day. It was gone. Yeah. Everything was gone. And so imagine if they had only taken down like one one website because they you know like oh like we figured out how to do it let's like take down the site all of a sudden everybody would be on high alert yeah. and they would wouldn't be able to get into anything anymore yeah. mm -hmm. so you know and like i said the way that people could get around it was updating their software so if if anybody had just caught on quick enough they saved their ass yeah so by giving them that kind of like warning flag like that would have ruined but, the whole I mean, operation. That's also a really slippery slope of how much of that do you allow? You know, because if they don't have to disclose how they are tracking criminals, who says that they're going to ever disclose how they're tracking all of us? Yeah. You know, that and there was a really good quote by like the source that I used for a lot of this information of I can't remember his name, but this guy was basically talking about like, in essence, how you can't just drop these huge criminal charges out of the blue without anybody knowing where they came from. Like, you, we you have trust, no you idea. You just trust us. You, exactly. can't, you can't just do that. You, we have no idea how they even found out who Eric Marquez is. He just, they Was, arrested him. Just existed. Exactly. Yeah. They just arrested him. And they said, like, you're being held on this, 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 and this. And he was like, okay, yeah. How did you find me? How did you do this stuff that was supposed to be impossible? And they're like, oh, that's a secret. We're not yeah. telling. Yeah. Classified. That's, that's a little bit iffy. So, Marquez. And, and again, like, as long as they're bringing the correct people to justice, good. But you can't abuse your powers like exactly. that. Exactly. And they do abuse their powers. And in crimes where you can see what happened, where all the information is disclosed, it's still abused. And yeah. a blind eye is still turned to the evidence that's right there. Yeah. How far are they going to take that and exploit the fact that everything is done behind closed doors? Yeah. How far are they going to go when nobody can even check their evidence? Yeah. We're not at all saying that these people should not be arrested and brought to justice. They absolutely should. But there's a very fine line between it has implications what's beyond happening here. This, exactly. Just this, yeah. If you apply what happened in this case to somebody who just shoplifted a 7-Eleven, it gets a little bit more tricky. And you're like, okay, well, you have to have seen them stealing, right? You have to show well, us that Well, we you can't have share proof. that information. We can't you. show you the proof. Exactly. Okay, so yeah. what proof do you have if you can't show it? Yeah. Kind of thing. So that's that's where it gets a little dicey. Marquez ended up pleading guilty to distributing, conspiring to distribute, advertising, and aiding and abetting the advertisement of child pornography. One of the reasons the extradition took so long was that his attorneys back in Ireland were fighting tooth and nail to prevent it, claiming that he had Asperger's syndrome and would not receive proper care in a U.S. prison. In 2016, the Irish Court of Appeal ruled that the extradition would proceed. However, his lawyers insisted that they would make a new appeal to the Irish Supreme Court, which was dismissed again in March of 2019 when he was finally extradited to the United States to face trial. What does the Irish Supreme Court do? Do they just, like, allocate potatoes to the entire country? <laughs> like, I feel like, what, what is their role? 
I'm assuming probably the exact same as the United States but Supreme I Court. But I like to think but that more people come to them with <laughs> potato disputes yeah. constantly or mm. like a sheep jousting battle gone wrong. Something yeah. like Can that. people just sheeps in Ireland? You uh, you ride the sheep at each other. And I feel then, like they just stab each other. And then you hold like a pitchfork and you go, didn't, 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 didn't. I feel like that's some redneck <laughs> shit. Yeah. You don't think Ireland has their own rednecks? I don't know. I feel like Ireland Everywhere has their like, own rednecks. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. I just feel like Irish people are just naturally aggressive in general. Not that I know too many, like, just holy Irish people that are from Ireland, but I just feel like they are. Like, I just feel like they'll just stab you for no reason. Yeah. yeah. I feel Fair like enough. they're a lot more, like, cut they're the bullshit. They're very passionate people. Yeah. Like, American I mean, even like and the, rednecks the... are like, let's blow shit up in, like, a moonshine bottle. Yeah! yeah. Like, Irish people, I feel like, are just like, you gonna finish that? Even like Saint, even St. Patrick's <laughs> like, whole thing, like he wasn't like uh like Mother Teresa figure who you know brought peace everywhere. What did St. Patrick do? Drove the snakes out of Ireland. Yeah, like, he was that's like, what we celebrate him for. And they're not actual snakes; they're people. <laughs> also, leprechauns are always angry, and leprechauns are just short Irish people. No matter yeah. what anyone says, that's all that's leprechauns true. are. That that like picture for the leprechaun had to have come from somewhere yeah and it, it didn't come from indian people like it <laughs> just you gotta read the you room never here. Do, exactly in february of 2020 marquez pled guilty to one count of conspiracy to advertise child abuse as a part of a plea bargain to reduce his sentence down to 15 to 21 years we still don't know the details of his sentencing there doesn't seem to be any information on the outcome or even if the sentence proceeded in May 2020 like it was supposed to because, you know, COVID and the world went to shit. Yeah. So I couldn't figure out if it was just kind of like really confidential what happened and they don't have any information about it just circulating around the internet or if it never actually happened yet and it got pushed back and postponed. If he did get jailed, he probably got assassinated by one of the, Maybe. By yeah. one of the dark A lot of guards. people that do child porn do not do well in prison. Well, yeah. not even that much. You that's know? one thing that every criminal can band against as wrong. Yeah, Like, really. you could murder people, but I didn't touch a kid, and you did, and you're worse than I am And for you're that. a scumbag <laughs> for that one. I fought a man equally sized as me, and I killed him like a, <laughs> got him like a fish. You took care of kids. You're a disgrace. Yeah. <laughs> You're scum, I, I support too. that, though. Oh, well, I mean, there's either Oh, yeah, that. absolutely. There's, like, that, you know, like, criminals killing other criminals, or there's, like, you know, guards killing other criminals, or there's guards who are criminals, but unknown guards, like, inside job type oh, things. okay, yeah. Obviously, this sounds more cinematic or movie-esque, but, like, there's gotta be more people Epstein out there. More Epstein type of situations. Yeah. He, yeah. Come on, man. Like, really? No, nah, he got assassinated. I hate to say it. Epstein, he, he got capped. Absolutely. They didn't want him revealing any more information. <laughs> I've frankly, seen uh, pictures of his jail cell. What does that like, mean? Like, like it was one baddie? of the uh, webinars that I did, like through the Lee College, was showing like it was one of the investigators on the trial was like showing us the the confidential images from his like jail cell mm -hmm. and the sheet that he used to hang himself with. Oh wow! Yeah. I feel like this is a very conspiracy-heavy episode right now, and I kind of like it. Really it really is. Our conspiracy episodes do great. That is So true. that's why I thought this would be a great one to end with. Because you people like them, you As terrible fuck. as it is, the one thing that's scarier than a giant corporation that does terrible shit is the people in that corporation is more scared of it falling than anyone outside is actually yeah. scared of like, it happening. Like, the people that are in there are like, nah, it's just going to happen, and it's going to stay happening. And they will kill people to do it. Like, yeah. I jerk off to kids. Speaking I'm of not things continuing to happen. <laughs> <laughs> After the shutdown of Freedom Hosting, you're going to love this. Oh, am a I? A new hosting service 
aptly named Freedom Hosting 2 oh, come on. has since sprung up and is now running approximately 20% of all dark websites. So it's not back up to its previous status of 50%, but they're getting there. They're gaining I feel like traction. you had to change so. the name a little bit. If you're well, not going to be up to 50%, no, 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 you can't I mean, it has a legacy around Because here's what dark web people love to do is they love to taunt law enforcement because as soon as something like freedom hosting is shut down they go out of their way to rub it in the face of law enforcement and go oh yeah you arrested one of our guys but you're never going to get all of us so freedom hosting too and that's like when silk road we'll talk about it but when that got shut down right after that got shut down came silk road 2 and after silk road 2 got shut down came silk road 3 and it's it's just a game they play because they think they're so smart and so clever and they're never going to get caught and you can't touch us. Yeah. And then they end up getting shut down and arrested. So, you know. Well, I the best way like to jerk off is with an ego. Yeah, Just exactly. Like, your ego's up here, you're going to have the best climax of your life. I'm sure about it. <laughs> I'm sure about it. I also think it has a lot to do with, like, the clout of, well, everyone knows Silk Road. Yeah. You can't just go and create, like, something else with a random name. Nobody's going to know. That, that doesn't have any, like, Dirt status track. with it. Dirt track. <laughs> but I've always been a fan of, especially, like, I don't know how many real things have happened. But I love little things where it seems completely random. But, like, there's one of those little, like, plot twist little whippy-doos, like, in there for the real hardcore fans. Like, if it was, like, BoatLibertyStatueHosting.com, but, like, it had, like, freedom, like, if you could, like, rearrange the letters or something, and it's about, like, freedom oh, yeah. hosting for, like, the real <laughs> sickos. I don't know. I don't think, where did that even come from? Well, I thought freedom, and I was, like, freedom, liberty, like, statue liberty, of liberty, okay. boat, and I was, like, Botalis Island, no, that's, like, a book or movie or something, and I was, like, boat, liberty, <laughs> okay. island. Your brain is just, I, I wish sometimes I could just get a glimpse into how your brain works, but I also think it would terrify me and i'd never sleep again genuinely so. <laughs> i feel like if someone could make like i was thinking about this when i was in the shower today and oh, i was great. like if i could get like paid to like i feel like my brain your thought experiments done on you would just be unlike anything other i think it'd be pretty cool like i think i could get some good information and if not i think i could power a nuclear power plant just by sitting there and thinking <laughs> if you could find a way to power neurons to like shoot off real people electricity and like power cars and shit like just strap me up Get me some food and let me zone out. Let me just exist and I'll, I'll do whatever. <laughs> Your brain runs at a thousand miles a minute, yeah, so it probably, it probably generates more exactly. power than anything else I know of. Brain power does not equal intelligence. I'm no Yale scholar, but like <laughs> I can think faster than one damn straight. Doesn't mean they're coherent, but no, I can do it. No, they're absolutely not. They're just fast. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we've got Hackerman.com. Our second story is a bit of a piggyback off of the first one we just talked about, and this is the full story of HackBB and how it was shut down single-handedly by its most trusted admin. HackBB? Sherlock Holmes. (laughs) (laughs) His final case. (laughs) HackBB was first created in the early days of the Tor browser by a user called Optimus Crime. (laughs) (laughs) He either... Is the coolest person ever with or the, the hugest wang. the biggest fucking nerd virgin that's ever existed. <laughs> or the, well, yeah, the one who's like, oh, yeah, I slay all the girls, oh, everything, and then he goes home and like... And I wonder like, which one it is. <laughs> oh, come on, I think, I feel like Optimus Crime's pretty funny. Optimus Crime. That's funny. I, that's stupid enough just it's not to be on du- someone's radar. It's almost dumb enough to exclude him from being a nerd virgin, because yeah. it's that fucking cringy. Exactly. 
It's almost like one of those things that's like so cringy. It's just hysterical. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Optimus good. created the site to be a guide for criminals, essentially, with guides on how to make new identities, how to disappear, and lots of other shit that any sketchy person could ever need. I feel like I could use some of those skills. Probably. Just in case like something happens, like what well, if I need to disappear? Hack BBs, your place to be. Well, can I still get there? Me. Yeah, it's still it's still up today. Yeah. Like, can I get there without being arrested sure. or? I mean, as long as you don't get caught. Oh fuck. Yeah, I feel like. I don't know. I don't know the logistics, but I feel like it's legal to see. Yeah. But it's not legal to participate. I in. mean, at the end of the day, the people that uh, like federal agents are coming after is not like the people just looking at stuff. It's the people running them, the people buying and selling things. Like yeah, that's like those the people, people are that the they, that they want to come after. Mm. Beyond just that information, though, there were also massive amounts of leaked information on the site. Hackers could just dump things that they had found and they could sell it to others. Specifically, HackBB was known as the best site to buy stolen credit cards, get ATM information, and get stolen identities to use. Hmm. So anything you hear about in the news about companies getting hacked, like Target was a pretty recent big one, like there's a whole scare about that. This is where all that information goes, and then it's broken down into spreadsheets, like numbers, basically, where all the data is then just sold off to the highest bidder. Mm. Now, the unfortunate part is that there's a decent chance that all of your information has already been stolen and sold to somebody else. Yeah. Woohoo. I'm not that's, too important yet, so I'm not worried about that's it. That's just kind of reality. <laughs> the reality of it is that most likely your information is already owned by somebody else. Yeah. They just haven't gotten around that's to you That's what kills yet. me about people trying to, like, shut down TikTok because it's a Chinese company and they're stealing all your data. They already have it. They, yeah, it's gone. They are, what are they going to do? Yeah. What are they going to do? How's that any different than when corporations are like, yeah, you have to sign this that says I can do whatever the fuck I want with your information. Yeah. Or you can't use it. And that's called a privacy agreement and use of terms. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, that's literally things that we sign every single day. That's just day. how it works. So like, don't somebody worry. already has my information. Just live with it. I wouldn't be too worried about the spooky dark web hackers because the people that you trust, like the your, non-spooky, non-dark web hackers, your social media, like government agencies, they already know everything there is to know about you. So. And also, like, when people are getting worried about, like, oh, my God, Instagram just gave me an ad for something that I thought about two seconds ago. What's the crime in them knowing that you like gardening and they gave you yeah. an ad for shovels? It's, like, just, it's, it's funny. It's fun to laugh about. It is about, funny. But, yeah. but, like, what's the harm in that? They're trying to provide you a better service yeah. by knowing a little bit about you. Yeah. For money. So this site was already pretty popular with people looking to do illegal things, but HackBB was revolutionized when a new user made his way onto the site in 2012. A user named Boneless started popping up in the forums a lot. Posting, boneless? Boneless. Like boneless. Boneless pizza? Exactly. Boneless. Oh my god. Your shit got bones in it? Apparently nah, not. not. boneless. No <laughs> bones at HackBB. Never. That's what the B stand for. Boneless. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this user was posting full guides on how to do certain things like faking passports, how to cheat in online gambling, origami, and, and, <laughs> and answer tons of questions that people do in grade school. The like, yeah. green, red, the, the, R E D. The oh fucking, man, what were those called? Fortune tellers? Something like that. Yeah. Some I don't know. Some fortune cubes. I don't know. Like, but basically, this guy was like a criminal expert, and he would just answer any questions that people submitted. That's dope. Boneless seemed to be everywhere, and he started to stand out as a leader on the site. And Optimus took notice of this. 
Many other sites at the time had full-time staffs, and places like Silk Road were very tightly run operations with trusted admins that could handle issues. However, HackBB was still just solely run by Optimus, and with his site blowing up in popularity, he realized that he could use some help with handling all the new members and traffic. In June of 2012, Optimus reached out to Boneless and asked if he would be interested in working with him to run HackBB. Now, contacting people over the dark web is always a scary thing to do. The whole point of it is that you are completely anonymous, but that also means that everybody else is completely anonymous. You have no clue who is on the other side of that screen. This is like the highest level of the people your parents warn you about when you're a kid. Like yeah. you think you're talking to a 12-year-old girl and Optimus it's really a 30-year-old man. But it, instead here, you think you're talking to a 30-year-old man and, and it's, it's a actually a 30-year-old man with a badge that's going to yeah. arrest you. Or a 12-year-old <laughs> boy. It's yeah. one who's just a <laughs> hacking professional. Yeah. The man knows everything about crime. Yeah. Kid and like, whiz. And there's no reason that anybody who like says who they are there's no reason that they have to be that person again all of this is anonymous yeah and for somebody running a very illegal operation like optimus was the worst case scenario is that boneless could have been a government agent baiting him into a trap and they'd be able to catch him and survey says well boneless checked out like all this to say is that optimus to even send a message to boneless meant that he must have been really in need of help so Boneless seemed eager to, uh, to help, though, and having somebody with his knowledge and dedication to the site would be a, a great benefit. Optimus promoted him to admin of the site, giving him power to ban people, edit posts, and have access to the back end of the website. Dope. He did very well in his new role, helping to expand the website, and soon HackBB was like an encyclopedia for criminals. Anything you needed to know about how to pull off... Any kind of crime could be found there, and a lot of it was written by Boneless himself. Hmm. After some time had passed and Boneless had proved himself, Optimus gave him another big role, giving him access to HackBB's escrow. So the idea of an escrow can be a little bit complicated, so I'm going to try and explain it real quick. Okay, thanks. So <laughs> online transactions can be really sketchy, even like just on the regular internet. Like it can be kind of sketchy to enter your credit card information, stuff yeah. like that. But it is especially sketchy on a place like the dark web where people could be paying thousands of dollars for drugs, fake IDs, or assassinations. In order to make sure that these transactions go smoothly, escrow companies are brought in. An escrow is simply a third-party company that people send their money to in order to complete a transaction with somebody else who also sends their money or the good or whatever mm. it is. And this isn't something exclusive to the dark web. This is something no, that just happens to make online transactions a little safer, but it just so happens to be very useful when you're doing more high-profile, sketchy things. Yeah, so exactly. So escrows just kind of like exist, but you can use it for whatever. Yeah, kind yeah. Of. yeah, and so once once both parties submit their end of the deal, whether that's like money, cryptocurrency, the good, whatever it is, once both people submit, then the transaction goes through and mm. both people receive whatever it is they're supposed to it's receive. It's just like a third party to make sure nobody gets screwed out of their deal. Mediation for psychopaths. I like yeah. it. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, so this is a, it's a good way just to make sure you don't get scammed yeah. is really what it is. And having access to an escrow account, that's a big deal. And by having access to HackBB's escrow account, Boneless can now get into all of the site's finances. And they made a decent amount of money from selling information and services to people that visited the site. This, again, was a big risk for Optimus to take, but it seemed to pay off as the site continued to grow and grow under the leadership of Boneless. However, all of that would change in March of 2013. 
Optimus logged on to see that the escrow account had been raided and nearly all of the funds were gone. Because remember, Boneless had access to it. And so while there's not like a big withdrawal button that he could just take all the money, all he had to do was make a trade with his own account or like an alternate account for like nothing for all of HackBB's money. Yeah. And because he had Deemed access... Deemed that a necessary transaction. <laughs> because he had access to both ends of that transaction... There was nobody to say that that wasn't a legit transaction. Yeah. Because he had access to the escrow. The escrow is what makes it secure. And he had the yes button on that. And so he could just easily make that transaction. There's nobody saying that he can. He desperately tried to contact Boneless to see what had happened. But when he was nowhere to be found, Optimus realized that he'd been betrayed by his most trusted ally. A few days later, Boneless popped up again, but this time he started destroying the website that he had worked so hard on. He crashed many of the databases that HackBB maintained, accessed people's private and very illegal messages, and took the identities of many users. There's something of an unspoken rule on the dark web that coming after someone's real identity is the worst crime you could commit. Mm -hmm. People go there specifically to be hidden. So exposing who they are and what they do is the biggest sin out there. But for some reason, Boneless was doing this to hundreds of users who had grown to trust him over the years. Ruthless. Optimus was... <laughs> Boneless and ruthless. <laughs> it's it's crazy. No bones, no Ruth. Nowhere to be found. <laughs> Nothing. Optimus was powerless to stop what was happening. Boneless was just clearly a better hacker, and he was crippling the website in ways that Optimus would never be able to undo. Damn. Eventually, Optimus was able to get rid of Boneless account so he would no longer have access to the site and things seemed to calm down for a little bit. Although the site was stripped of much of the information that made it so popular in the first place, at least it was still standing. Mm -hmm. Until May 15th, 2013, when more attacks started coming in. The bones coming in. <laughs> it seemed that while Boneless was an admin on the site, he created multiple other sleeper accounts and promoted all of those to admin status as well. Yo! So although the Boneless account was gone, the user behind it still had all of these other accounts that had control. How cool would it be if every account was just one letter of Boneless? <laughs> like, B's like, oh, B, and then he's like, oh. Get boned. <laughs> it's like every time, like, he's like, oh, shut this user down, and then slowly, fucking Optimus Crime is like, got Piecing it together. Got pencil and wasn't like, yarn strings and he's like and he just like backs up and all of a sudden he's like boneless he's on, a, on like a chalkboard he's like what is that <laughs> these smaller accounts kept wreaking havoc all over the site and the hacking was so impressive even to the most experienced cyber criminals like this guy was the fucking legit like, and, like people, people that like frequented this website were also like experienced cyber hackers criminals. and cyber yeah. criminals so even they like had all this like knowledge and they couldn't even figure out what the fuck was going on while the site was falling apart scammers took advantage of the chaos and would would pose as optimists in order to falsely sell people goods and then just take the money and run because you know like oh i'm optimist like sorry our escrow is down right now but like we can still do this transaction and then obviously because there's no escrow grow anymore they just can scam them and yeah. fuck out yeah. of there before anybody's the wiser it took months of work by Optimus and others to finally rid HackBB of Boneless, but they did manage to stabilize and assess what had happened. After doing some investigating, Optimus was pretty sure that the attacks hadn't actually come from the original Boneless. He was such a good admin and a trusted name on the site, it seemed unbelievable that he would turn around and destroy something that he had worked tirelessly on. Stealing the money would be one thing, you know, like they're criminals, stealing money, whatever. That's how it that, goes. That could happen. But the fact that he turned around and 
started destroying something Absolutely that... Absolutely demolished this website. It, it just wouldn't make any sense for him to undo all of this work that he yeah. had put into it. Optimus believed that someone else had got access to the boneless account, whether it's he sold it to them or whether somebody hacked into it. And that person used the admin privileges to raid the escrow and cause all this chaos. And the story just goes to prove that in a place where you deal with criminals all day, don't be surprised when crime happens. Is there a resolution to it? Do we know what happened? No, that's just it. We no, don't know I'm, anything? Again, I wish like, I knew, like, what the actual situation is because, like, obviously Boneless wasn't just, like, a a law enforcement official, like, undercover. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't because the something would have come shut, of that. Like, get shut down. Nobody got arrested. It was just they raided their bank account and, like, tried to cause a lot of chaos After to help scam it. more people. Yeah. It just, it, you're right. It doesn't make any sense why he would put years, unless he was just the most dedicated scammer to ever face this earth. Like, But, I mean... Here's the thing, too. Like, after you have access to this escrow account that probably had, like, millions of dollars oh, in it, you can sell access to that account for a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And then just, like, clear your conscience of it. Like, yep, I gave him this account, but I'm not the one that actually, like, stole all the money or anything. I just sold my account. Yeah. yeah. And that's how it goes. And, like, the thing is, you never know. Because these accounts are anonymous, you just kind of trust that the person who is there is who they say still they, they are. Yeah, exactly. still the same person. And because you don't know anything about these people, there's no real way of telling if it changed hands. Like, you know, if you were taking over account, you hacked into somebody's account, just go through, read their old chat logs, see how they kind of talk and just mimic that and nobody will ever be able to yeah. tell. Yeah. Or even if you do and someone's like, hey, like, what's up? You're just like, a little upset tonight. Like most people. Yeah, I'm just not I feeling criminals. myself. Yeah, yeah. So I just, you know. You know. All right, we're going to take a break and move on to our third story. We're going to be talking about the Silk Road. Our final story of the day is the most well-known and infamous site that has ever existed on the dark web, the Silk Road. Funny enough, never heard of it. Well, okay, <laughs> I hadn't I, either before I was this. talking to Nicole. I was like, yeah, like, let's do dark web stories. But I don't want to do something that everybody knows, like Silk Road or, you know, like destroying Daisy or something like that. And she was like, I have never no idea what things. you're talking about. I was like, oh, right. I'm just the freak. Okay. <laughs> destroying Daisy. Yeah. What not is that? A horrible snuff film. Oh! No, yeah, we don't like snuff. Yeah, we can talk about it later. Can't really get snuff. That's about it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway, <laughs> Silk Road was the brainchild of Ross Ulbrich, who was born on March 27, 1984, in Austin, Texas. Ross was an extremely bright kid. He did very well in school and was an active member of the Boy Scouts, working his way up to Eagle Scout, and then went to the University of Texas at Dallas to study physics and received a full academic scholarship. Man was so, a brainiac. Verified nerd. As a lot of these stories go, someone with huge amounts of potential, extremely smart, could do so much good with their lives, just fuck it up. Blow it completely. I can't wait to see what kind of trouble the three of us get into. And then some college kids in the future are going to make a podcast and they're going to go, this trio, so much potential, all really good students. Did we, though? Bright futures. <laughs> are we, though? I feel like we are. I'm Come pretty on. good. I don't know about you and your science classes, but we're pretty, we're killing the game. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's really easy to succeed as a, a fake major. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a real major. We're paying real money for this. So that's it counts. true. It counts. 
after Ross got his bachelor's, he got his master's in material science from Penn State, and during his years of study, he became very interested in economic theories. In particular, he liked the idea of libertarianism, which essentially believes that people should be left to make their own decisions. Libertarians don't believe in many rules or regulations. They basically think that individual people can make the best choices for them, not the government or any company. A big part of this is that people should be able to choose what they spend their money on, and that's why libertarians don't believe in taxation, because that's the government deciding where you spend your own money. The whole, like, taxation is theft crowd, that's the libertarians. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I also, I saw a libertarian debate one time where they were, like, a contestant got booed horribly for Gary. suggesting that maybe people should have to take a driver's test to drive a car. That's where that's from. Yeah, yeah that's Gary Johnson. Yeah. That is the This dumbest. is not an endorsement for Gary Johnson, but God, he's it's funny. It's just funny. <laughs> God, he's funny. I hate to say, anyone's a moron if you just think you can hop in a car and just drive and not be... You know yeah. what? No, go for it if you want, but feel free to reap all of the consequences yeah. when you get kill someone. See, I understand that you think you make the best decisions for yourself, but you don't. But there is a threshold of how much law and order we need in the world. Yeah. There's just there's just a line of yeah. what needs to be maintained yeah. exogenously yeah, outside exactly. of yourself. <laughs> you also got to remember that uh, as kids. I'm sure there's a fair share of us who made great decisions for ourselves to get cooler and eat bugs. It's like pee on shit, like throw <laughs> yeah, throw rocks in windows, and those weren't the best decisions. No, we wouldn't like, do that also, now. But you know, a, like a lot of these people in the dark web community share these same beliefs that like, oh, like regulations and rules shouldn't exist. Like I can like determine stuff for myself. But all of these stories, specifically Silk Road, go to show that as soon as people don't have rules and regulations. This is what happens. Yep. Drugs, child porn, rape, like all of these things are what happened. Not that everybody would do that because not everybody would. Most people are. And there are a select few that ruin it for everybody. Exactly. And these In are every situation. But like, like we're going to talk about Ross more, but he is the reason that we can't have the ideas that he wants. Nice things. Because he is one of those people that is going to exploit and take advantage of the set of rules that he wants. Yeah. And we can kind of talk about this more at the end, like that kind of lends itself to this conversation. But the fact that like he started this with the idea that people could just have freedom and privacy to do their business in peace. Yes, that in and of itself is not a harmful ideology. However, the second you give people the freedom and privacy to do whatever they want, drugs. they start committing crimes. It's going to be drugs. That's that's the kind of drugs. crowd that you're inviting to your service by letting it be completely anonymous like yeah. that. All right, we, we'll talk about that more later. We, will. we, we, we could, will. We could go on a rant for quite a while about that. <laughs> and we probably will at yeah. the end of this episode. But anyway, Ross participated in many debates during his years in college, and he loved discussing his ideas with other people. After graduating, he practically left all those dumb science degrees behind <laughs> and started started pursuing his economic beliefs. What a fucking loser. He tried his hand at day trading for a while and also attempted to launch his own video game studio, but both of these failed pretty miserably, and Ross was left looking for something new. In late 2010, Ross had the idea to create a marketplace that would act like an experiment for what people would do if they could buy anything anonymously. Facebook Drugs. marketplace. He started talking... <laughs> <laughs> that was the funniest comment you could have possibly made. You said marketplace, and I was like, where's the joke I could go with this? Yeah, Facebook. It's pretty good. Facebook, Facebook marketplace is wild, I dude. love Facebook wild. marketplace. That's where I found our apartment. I know. I, I love that it exists because you can get cool things off of it, but then there are also people like... 
selling empanadas inside. Yeah. <laughs> Have you Somebody's had Somebody's got like one left <laughs> flip-flop with no matching pair and they want like 10 bucks for it. Price maybe negotiable. I, maybe I have a right flip-flop and I lost maybe the left you do. one. Just, I, I love know. the people on $10 Facebook $10 or an unopened package of Marlboros. One or the other. I'll take either. I just love the people that in their listing, they're like, prices Firm. Don't bother trying to bargain. Don't ask stupid questions like, is this still available? If the listing's up, it's available. And it's like, I'm just trying to be polite. Like, geez, come on, man. <laughs> How else do you introduce yourself by being like, hi, is this item still available? I want your shit! Like, <laughs> whoa. Give me your goods in return for currency. <laughs> for my services. <laughs> yeah. So Ross started talking to his girlfriend at the time about the famous Silk Road that connected Asia to Europe and how important that this was in shaping history. Something to know about Ross, though, his ego was insane. He always thought he was the smartest person in the room and that he was going to be something really special. He's our little special boy. He would have been if he didn't leave his fucking boy. important degrees at home. That's true. <laughs> I really liked I was like, oh, man, my day trading failed. My video game studio went under. I, I just need something to do. Hey, Ross, you know you got your master's degree, right? I just need something to do. This just isn't doing it. We're like, <laughs> come on. He even mentioned the Silk Road in his LinkedIn profile, which doesn't seem like a great way to keep yourself anonymous and hide from authorities, but that's just how big his ego was. And this kind of just reminds me of, what was her name last week that, like, strangled the kids and was mad when nobody Mary, gave her Mary attention. Stupid Mary yeah. bitch. So she knew she was doing something wrong and didn't want to get in trouble, but, but just wanted, wanted attention. the attention yeah. for it. So she kind of fucked herself over by going too hard for the yeah. attention. Apparently yeah. not Same hard enough because they let up really easy Warning, her. warning, warning. <laughs> yeah. In February 2011, Ross created the Silk Road tour site under the name Dread Pirate Roberts, and we all know how this was going to end up. And if, if I can put a pin in that real quick, the name is actually really clever. Um, if you don't know, it's a reference to the Princess Bride, yeah. and the title of Dread Pirate Roberts is a name that's handed down to like a leader of this pirate crew again and again. So it's not one person, it implies that this is just a title that's handed down from person to person. So like, it's like yeah. a rank. After someone takes yeah, over. Yeah, of. so it's like the like leader. Buccaneer, private, dead pirate Roberts. Dread. Yeah. Dread. Dread pirate Roberts. <laughs> and dead so like, and like in The Princess Bride, it's a thing that like, um, you know, like one dread pirate Roberts, like, Killed and made, like, no survivors or anything, but, like, another person who took over, like, wasn't that person anymore, didn't do those same types of things. So that's But they this, still have that one name. But this is what that name kind of implies, and when, when Ross was first caught, his first defense was actually, oh, I'm not the real Dread Pirate Roberts, that's somebody else, they just that's gave the name to smart. me. Again, and that's, like, he is really smart and really clever, but his ego was like, oh, if I have this name, they can't pin me to any crime because I'm not yes, the they real. Can. This isn't fucking fantasy There's land. no proof saying you're not. Yeah. That's the important part. You have no alibi. That's yes. the only thing that can excuse excuse you. Yeah. He, he In his world, he's like, oh, if I get caught, I'm just going to go to the FBI and say, well, go watch Princess Bride. And they were going to go, oh, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Duh. The only thing I've been thinking of since you like explained how the dead pirate, Dread Pirate Roberts thing works is like how funny it is that there's two titles and it's like oh my god like you heard a dread pirate roberts he like slaughtered a whole village and someone's like that's crazy 
Dread Pirate Roberts just came over for tea and we like baked cookies and shit. That's nuts. Like, what I are you talking about? I just adopted a puppy with him. Like, just, like Everybody's got different perspectives of this poor Dread Pirate Roberts. He gave me no. some yeah. sugar the other day. It was nice. <laughs> it's like no one knows the real one. Did like, he give you some sugar? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. In, in uh, return for your leg. <laughs> The page started as a fairly small forum where Ross would talk about his economic beliefs, but soon people started taking notice of the entirely rule-free marketplace. At first, Ross had a limit on the amount of vendors that could be on the site, and people would auction them off to each other because, you know, when you don't need it anymore or someone will pay you highly for it. For the privilege to sell on Silk Road. It was a big deal. Yeah. Mm. Obviously, that's worth it. But after an article was published in June by Gawker, Silk Road exploded in popularity, and Ross implemented a small fee to create an account. Which kind of sounds like uh, capitalism, Ross. That doesn't really sound like, you know, no rules or regulations. It kind of sounds like uh, you have rules and regulations on your site. But anyway. Uh, Yeah, you know, you do your own thing. For a small fee, you can be rule-free. No regulations. You could find absolutely anything you wanted on Silk Road, from hard drugs to passports to guns to simple things like food and medical supplies. While the vast majority of the items on Silk Road were drugs, there were some people that just legitimately ran their businesses on the site to avoid taxes and laws in their countries. And it's a lot of places where like... Uh like South American countries and stuff like that, where you have a lot of regulations and like a lot of taxes that you would pay to these authoritarian regimes that would like take a lot of your money if you were a business. Yeah. And so like genuinely some people did just use this just as a to place to operate their business where they could avoid all of these ridiculous laws and stuff yeah. that were being forced on them. But again, 99% of it was hard drugs. Yeah. I just want to make that clear. This was like a drug selling instrument. Well, there was That's like the basically filters. what it existed. It was like the filters for. in the marketplace where it was like hard drugs, like dangerous weapons, like body parts. And then at the bottom, it was like Pamela's Lovecrafted Pottery. It's like that, <laughs> kind, that kind of shit. It was like they made sure you could get to your destination pretty easy. Thanks, Ross. You're the man, Ross. <laughs> Sorry, that's so fucking funny. Oh my god. <laughs> Ross was known as a brutal businessman. Any big problems went directly to him, and he had no time for people that were trying to extort him or try any sketchy business. So, again, he's not dealing drugs, but he, all of the people that are operating under him that are yeah. answer to him. Yeah. And if they have a dispute, he's the one who settles and it. And they, they have to be approved by him, so he knows Every single In vendor that's sell. on this yeah. site, and he knows exactly what they're selling. Yeah. He's not blind to this. Yeah, he's like a pip. He's not selling his body, but like if people yes. want to sell their body, he's they go allowing to him. other people to do yeah. it. exactly. And he's also like the big cheese that everyone answers yeah. to. Yeah, Discord moderator. And you could be like, yeah. oh well, if Ross wasn't doing it, somebody else would be. Okay, but Ross is doing it. Yeah, is the thing you can't. The other person doing it wouldn't be guilt free either. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Do you, do you know who this other person is? No? Well, when you find out, get his name, and we'll arrest, we'll arrest him. him, too. And Ross is free to go. But until that day, we're going to take the one who did it. Yeah. In order to have a successful marketplace on the dark web, the most important factor is trust. People have to trust that their identities will be safe and that they will receive the items they pay for. Ross kept his vendors under very close scrutiny with his team of moderators, and they were always paranoid that the government was infiltrating the site. As it turns out, their fears were completely correct, but the egotistical Dread Pirate Roberts never even saw it coming. 
Now, the story I'm about to tell you is a very condensed version of the whole story of how he was caught. If you want to hear the whole thing, there's a fantastic documentary on YouTube that goes through literally all of his chat logs at the time and shows exactly what happened. What was it called again? Um, it's the dark side of the Silk Road yeah. uh, is what it's called. That's, what if, that's if a good fucking interested. title. It's yeah, it's yeah. pretty cool. It's like an hour and 20 minutes long or something. Like it's, pre it's pretty long, but it is worth it. If you're if this piques your interest at all, it's worth it. It is phenomenal. It's a very cool story, yeah, and we're really going to give cool. you a little synopsis about it, but there's a lot more to learn. Towards the end of 2013, Ross received a message in his inbox from a user named Friendly Chemist, all in a tizzy about uh, how his business partner owed him a lot of money. He claimed that he was a supplier for a well-known vendor named Lucy Drop, and that Lucy hadn't paid him a huge amount of cash that he was owed. And if he wasn't able to get the cash that he was owed, then the people that he owed money to were going to kill him and everything. So it was, it was a whole big deal. That's not really his he problem, was like, though. He was making drugs or something like that, but he was buying from people who gave right. him the supplies, he, and he, he owed money to them. He was making the drugs for Lucy Drop, but he had to buy things from other people. So it's the whole supply chain. Yeah. Basically, Lucy like owed him money. He owed people money. They owed people money, and yeah. like and stuff like Everyone that. Everyone so. needs to get paid back, but all of a sudden the chain was cut off. Lucy yeah. got the diamonds and shot into the sky. <laughs> I got you. I'm feeling this. Now Ross didn't really believe him at first, because no. of course. Tons of people tried to scam him constantly, but after a few more messages, it seemed like Friendly Chemist was legit. However, he took it too far when he threatened to release thousands of client IDs if he wasn't paid. And like we've already talked about, IDs and trust are sacred on the dark web. And Ross knew that if any of his buyer's identities were being leaked, it would be the end of Silk Road since nobody would trust it anymore. He knew that he had to do something about Friendly Chemist. And the stubborn, ego-driven Ross was not about to just give in to his demands, just pay him the money and stuff. Instead, he ended up getting in contact with the Hells Angels out of California and asked how much it would cost for them to kill Friendly Chemist. Just I bump him off. Just murder him higher. I was yeah. just saying, why don't you just pay him? Here's my thing. My thing is... Pay him to, like, you know, keep it on the DL so you don't have to risk anything else. You know, the deal's all kept. But if he's still pissed about it, just have him killed off anyway. Yeah. And then just take back. all his money or whatever. Yeah, yeah, like, just, it's easier. You'll probably get more money for killing him, and he won't put up a fight because he'll be dead, <laughs> than you do for just yeah. killing him. Uh, Ross ended up figuring out the man's real identity and where he lived. Like, he found his information. Friendly chemist's information. Yes, yes. Yeah. And so he passed it along to the Hell's Angels, who said that they would take care of it for a price. A pretty steep price, obviously. Well, how it's murder. The price? Um, it murder was, for hire is very expensive. It was around $100,000 per person. That's probably kind of less price. than some cars out there. Oh, yeah, oh, absolutely. absolutely. That's a great business plan. You could kill someone for... Yeah. More affordable than a Lambo. So, Friendly <laughs> Chemist, uh, he found out, lived in Canada. So, it was going to be quite expensive. You know, they would have to contact another organization to carry out the hit for them. The but Canadian like, Hells Angels. Yeah, but they would have to, like, contract it out, basically. Um, and he also found out that there were a few other business partners of Friendly Chemist that Ross also decided had to go as well. In total, he paid $730,000 in Bitcoin to have six people killed. And all of the murders were carried out, and Ross established a business deal with the gang to have them sell on Silk Road. Little did Ross know, none of this was real. The entire Ethan's time... face right now, you just got mind-fucked. <laughs> none of this was real. The entire time, Ross had been talking to FBI agents, and he had just paid them for murder. I wish you could see Ethan's face because he looks like a fucking kid on Christmas. All of this good. was an incredibly elaborate, and again, everything that I just said, 
very condensed version like there are so many details in this documentary like and there was another thing about like an actual other guy who they never found that was advising ross to do this and like, yeah. kind of egging him on which was a little bit strange but yeah. so what most likely happened is that the user behind lucy drop got arrested and was offered a plea deal like you give us information and you can go free and so he probably took the deal so Lucy Drop handed over the account and the agents used this as an established trusted vendor as a link to get to Ross. Like that's why Lucy Drop wasn't paying anybody because he was arrested or something, yeah. you know, but like they able to, able to get the accounts, get some like set up some other accounts to kind of create this whole story yes, to trap Ross in. Um, and so they set up this this trap, essentially, to get Ross to do something drastic. And they knew that his ego wasn't going to let him just pay somebody off. They knew that he was going to do something. Um, and it worked, obviously. On October 2nd, 2013, Ross was arrested in a public library in San Francisco because they had the reason to arrest him now. Yeah. Um, and agents were able to get into his laptop while he was signed onto the Dread Pirate Roberts account on the Silk Road, proving that he was the one controlling. It. I think it was something like two undercover agents were pretending to be like in a relationship and fighting, and they yeah, distracted, distracted him, him. Yeah. and he like wasn't paying attention Crazy. while the other one like yeah. slipped in and took like put a flash drive in his laptop and got all the information. And That's this a movie show. And I love this it. is actually how. Um, uh, technology was developed is like basically a kill switch for your laptop. Like if you plug like a certain USB drive in it, it'll just wipe your laptop. And it was developed because of how Ross was caught. And so other people were like, shit, like if I need to just wipe my laptop instantly, I need something to do that. So now they make kill switches that yeah. you can just plug into your laptop. It'll just kill the entire thing. It's gone. Yeah. And it's because of Ross's story. Oh, so Lovely. Ross was found guilty of money laundering, computer hacking, and conspiracy to traffic narcotics and was given two life sentences without the possibility of parole. Hmm. He was initially offered a, a plea deal where he would only have to serve 10 years, but he refused to take it as he believed that he was going to fight it in court and win. Again, complete egomaniac. Oh, yeah. Obviously, he lost pretty fucking hard. Mm -hmm. He got his shit stomped in. But there's a large coalition of people fighting to this day for his release, claiming that his sentence was way too harsh for a first-time nonviolent offender. But, like, yes, that is true. On the one hand, you have a point. But, but he killed people. That didn't exist. Again, in his mind, he killed, he ordered the he murder ordered of six murder. people. And his entire site allowed for everything else to be happening. If he didn't own that website and allow for people to do this stuff then none of it would have happened yeah all like their whole point is all these other like dealers and stuff that operate on the website were arrested and only given like five or like ten a maximum years. of ten years for actually doing the dealing but if you think about it they probably pay, they probably took the plea deal Probably. Well, probably too. And again, he had an offer to only serve 10 years. The fucking idiot just didn't take it. Yeah yeah like how can you be that dumb? I, I, it blows my mind that he's so smart, but so dumb yeah. at the same yeah. time. There is like an actual website that we found that free, I can't like free Ross free Ross dot org, org or something, or something like, like that. Like that. Yeah. And it's actually not a horribly made website, but a lot of the stuff that they're claiming is just not true. Like, yeah, it just doesn't no make base sense for it. Yeah. Like they're talking about how all this murder for hire stuff was fake and sensationalized and a myth. And it's not. We have the chat logs that prove it. Yeah. They do exist. And one of the other things was like 
how like his Fourth Amendment rights were kind of infringed upon, where the same thing that happened with um, Eric, they didn't disclose all of the information about his trial. So he thinks he doesn't have a fair trial. That's another thing that they kind of want to fight about. So Which, again, is a bit of a valid point, but all of yeah. these other points that they're making don't make any sense. They're like, oh, he should have gotten the same sentence as other people. Well, if you add up all of their he sentences... He all of them operate. He is responsible for all of their wrongdoing. Also, so, he didn't take the plea deal. Exactly. Like, that's, that's my favorite part. They, he was offered a deal. He didn't take it. That's his responsibility yeah. at the end of the day. Also, Sucks yeah. to be him. Yeah. Last lessons to learn about this, kids, is uh, sometimes it doesn't always pay out to be an asshole. Oh my if, god. If Ross literally just was like, you know what? I'm just gonna pay this guy and it'll all go over, you know, smoothly. I'll just I'm just gonna calm down, find my Zen. He probably wouldn't have got <laughs> yeah. arrested for another yeah, exactly. you know, couple Not months. Not to mention, I thought to myself, wow, seven hundred and thirty thousand dollars is a lot to pay just to get make your problems go away. But he had two hundred and eighty-eight thousand Bitcoin on his laptop. Back then, that was thousands of dollars thousands i also feel like it was probably a lot less than what he had to pay poor friendly chemist if he just took yeah. the piss. Exactly. Um, but get this um I, I totally skipped over that that was my bad but yeah on his seized laptop that in total they found two hundred and eighty-eight thousand bitcoin which today is worth huh, 16 trillion dollars with a t trillion dollars isn't that like four times the national student loan debt isn't yeah, it four trillion dollars yeah, or something? Like that. Question: How does that bullshit translate to real money? What? What do you mean? Like bitcoins? I feel like it doesn't like it's, NFTs one and whatnot. One bitcoin is worth like fifty six thousand dollars. But right why now. does that exist? It's supply and demand, basically. For it's, fake money. Well, that's how people do yes, trades on the dark web and things like that. That's how people, untraceable, like no paper trail type yeah. of things. That's why cryptocurrency exists. It's it, the point of crypto. This is an entirely different tangent, and I'm not going to get all of this right. So if you're like a crypto expert, please don't hate me. But I'm just curious. Um, so like the point of crypto is that it's got a couple of benefits. Um, right now, pretty much every country in the world uses fiat currency, which is essentially just based in trust the government. Our currency works. There's nothing behind it whatsoever. There's like we got rid of the gold standard. Yeah, they're not on the gold. Like our currency used to be backed by gold, silver, things of actual value, which again, it's only valuable because people we say said it, it was. Is, but anyway, <laughs> it's just kind of dumb. Um, yeah, but now all countries on Earth operate on a fiat currency, which is just based on yep, trust us. This is how much our dollar is worth. You just got to go with it. And tiny Italian cars. <laughs> um, and so. People wanted something that was more secure, and but also you have the ability to make it untraceable, and um, you know it also operates through blockchain, which is a whole other thing. But that's basically like all of these transactions are secure and verifiable. We can take out banks, we can take out most of the middlemen, just make it person to person, you know, nice and easy like that. And so the idea behind Bitcoin is it's something that. The value is in the community, basically. And so it's this community of people that support it. And the more people that support it, the more valuable it's going to be. And so it's not reliant on any government. It's not. So if a government falls it's through just for the people, your Bitcoin is still worth just as much as it was before because it's not reliant on any government. But again, if Bitcoin falls through, then all of a sudden your Bitcoin is worthless, which has happened before. Like 
Uh, as in the day that Silk Road was busted and Bitcoin fucking tanked. Yeah, the day that Silk Road was busted, the uh, chart basically went into a nosedive almost to the bottom. It rebounded almost like back the to next full day. the next day. <laughs> but still, the day that he was arrested, the Bitcoin value was, worth was next plummeted. to nothing. Who dictates that though? Like the, the it's chart just maker? market supply and demand. Yeah, and if but, like, people one realize say, that Silk Road was fucked matter? and they sold their Bitcoin, that's all those people that aren't interested in Bitcoin anymore, which makes it worth less money. Yeah. And especially the more it's kind of connected to these illegal markets, the less uh, like average people are going to be interested in it. And that's what really is going to make crypto. That's the next step is making everyday people interested in it. Like if people. Because right now it's kind of just a dark web thing. It's not really an everyday thing. Yeah. Like it, so crypto is just edgy money. Basically, Basically, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. And like, it is becoming more and more mainstream, but it's not there yet. And the more that it's linked to stuff like Silk Road, and crime. the longer it's going to take to get popularized. Of course. Um. So to to wrap things up, uh, Ross and his people are fighting really hard for his freedom. Um. There is a rumor that President Trump was going to uh pardon him before he left office, but he didn't. Um, and so until something changes, let, uh, Ross is going to spend the rest of his life in prison. Oh, that's darn. Just, yeah. All right. That's all we have for this week, everybody. And this episode is the last of season two, which is kind of heartbreaking. Wow. But... This season has been a long one, <laughs> yeah. a really fucking long one. Our semester here is coming to a close and we're going on summer break. So there won't be any new rule of three episodes for a bit, but stay on the lookout for more content over the summer. Thank you all for listening. Go follow us on Instagram at rule of three, 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 three. And on Facebook at rule of three podcast. And have a great week, everybody. Real of well, that was so fucked up. Just cut that out. <laughs> I was gonna say rule of three season three, but then I said real for some reason. I was just gonna say bye, and then she had a stroke. So All like right. I guess I'm not saying bye to the people. What a strong ending to this season. <laughs> I really Very just strong. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. bye.